I haven't liked that town since I was fucking high school. Bunch of fucking douchebags in that town. I swear to fucking Christ. Like, it's, it's like, so you're it's saying like you're not a fan? Dumb stereo, every dumb stereotypical white person that does dumb stereotypical white people thing, like they all congregate in brick. Fuck that town. You should leave their fucking power out. Wow. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to uh, Pop Sports Shorts. Um, we got Dan here, as you've already heard. We've got Jared and we've got Ross. How's everyone doing today? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like brick either, if it makes you feel any better, Dan. Yeah. No, we're doing about... a lot better now that I know there's no power in brick. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no, there's no internet. They have, well, they did knock out the Rainbow Diner. So if anybody wanted lunch at the rainbow diner there that place is still there that place has been that's like the only diner left from like my high school diners in the area yeah well they're a little closed right now but uh why do you why do you need internet to run a fucking diner well i think it's i think it's more the general power right because you said the power was out yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, i think that's more about it there's like 40 something neighborhoods in brick that are out because of this poll getting taken out and it was a nurse apparently on her way to the hospital. And I guess she must have been texting. She had to have. But yep, snapped the poll right in half. Oopsie. Wow. Um, speaking of polls that are snapped in half, uh, the Super Bowl Easy. is coming up. And yeah, I don't know. It didn't work. That but, was a, you know, that was a rough no, 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 I got it. That was good. Yeah. I think you think a little bit. Yeah, you miss some of the shots you don't take, and then you still miss even when you take them. Um Super Bowl's coming up. We got Kansas City 49ers, and we're going to do a little preview today. We're going to talk through that game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a he- some head coaching action in the NFL, and uh, then we'll fly across to Ross's side of the pond, talk a little Barclays, and maybe some NHL. I don't know. We'll see if we have enough time. I don't know if we'll have enough time. Um, oh, God, did I just reference old school? I didn't even mean to. Uh, all right. We're off to a killer start already. So, Great killer. It's a it's a fine movie. Um, like cat cat killer or I don't know. No. Anyway, uh, so, Super Bowl's coming up. Ha- Go ahead. Have you been Have you been uh, seeing all of the? I'm loving absolutely all these people that the Super Bowl logo conspiracy theorists and all that. How they're now scrambling to put out uh, new videos, trying to pick out the new. Uh, coincidences and and all the little nuances of this and that to predict how the script is already written. I'm loving it. I'm loving how they're all having to eat crow and backtrack. Is there all oh, going to be? Are there people that really Niners believe that stuff that get NFL scripted? Yeah, yes. people uh, that believe everything. Yeah, and now yeah, I'm the so latest. Happy I don't live in like some of these like Twitter worlds where people believe this and talk about it publicly. People I make can't fun. Well, Dan, you'll... why somebody would think that. Dan, you will absolutely love the basis of the newest conspiracy on how the the script was written for the Super Bowl. It oh, all sure centers around. Swift. Yes. Yep. What is Taylor Swift's favorite number? Thirteen. Oh God, I Thir- saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's her thirteenth game that she's going to. And the 49ers were the one seed and the Chiefs are the three seed. That's 13. What's 100 minus 13? 87. And it just went on and on and on. Oh, and the Chiefs are wearing the red jerseys. 
Like, Jesus Christ. Although I will say, speaking now that I mentioned the red jerseys, white jerseys are 16 and three in recent Super Bowl history. Um, one of those three losses, I must say, though, was uh, the team wearing white was San Francisco and the team not wearing white was Kansas City. That was Super Bowl 54. And here's hoping we go through that again. Yeah, minus the pandemic. Uh, so on to the game. On, yeah. uh, we have Brock Purdy, starting quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes, starting quarterback. Oh, what a showcase. So Mahomes was talking the other day about how um, I was watching some of the interviews, and he was saying how he knew Purdy was going to be good the moment he was drafted because he basically, on his own, turned an entire program around at, uh, was it Iowa? Iowa State. Iowa State, Iowa State yeah. So – I mean, it's an interesting matchup because Jesus Christ, it really is the, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of talk as QB whisperer, a guy who can uh, make anything with nothing. But even so, I'm a firm believer that I don't believe there's a, a such thing as a system quarterback, if that makes sense. Like, you still have to be a good quarterback to run a system in the NFL. You can't just, like, you can't just throw me out there and tell me, run this system and it would work. So, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Let's talk about Brock Purdy first. Yeah, so Brock sort of Purdy. This before uh, that Brock works well in that system. It doesn't mean that everyone would, but there are obviously certain systems that benefit other quarterbacks more than they would elsewhere. But, I mean, if, if Brock Purdy ended up getting drafted by the Titans, do we think he would look this good now? Pro- probably not. So, he's definitely benefited from going to a, you know, let's face it, a stacked 49ers team and an incredible head coach. So it definitely helps, but it doesn't mean that he hasn't got, you know, his own ability. It doesn't mean that he's not bringing anything to the to the table himself. You know, I don't think that if you'd have put, even even his backup, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Put, yeah, yeah, I, I know who he is, Matt, but thanks, yeah. Um, yeah, he would have been putting up the same numbers as Purdy's doing, but it doesn't mean that Purdy would have been great in another situation. A lot of it with quarterbacks or any, any position, in fact, in the draft, is not always you know, who you are, it's, it's who you get drafted by. And so, some players will be able to make it in whatever team they go to, but some players will need the right situation for them to for them to sort of really flourish in their careers to go off. And I think Brock Purdy has been the example of going to the right place, getting in the right system and getting with the right people around him. But he certainly made the most of his opportunity. And if he was like a, a second or, you know, late second or early third round pick, whatever, he wouldn't be getting the criticism that he gets, but because he was that last pick in the draft, everyone's just waiting for it to stop with him and everyone's just waiting for that, um, you know, sort of the penny to drop and then to go, oh, no, he is actually, he's terrible. He is a seventh round pick and so he should be. Brock looks like he's going to be that anomaly, you know, like Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Brady, but that Brady where he's, you know, he shouldn't have got picked where he did and he's actually much better than his draft position. So, you know, the kid's done, he's done really well. He's, as I said, fallen into a great situation, but you can't, you can't knock him for what he's done. He's done brilliant with what he's had. I fully yeah, agree, Ross. Dan, go ahead. He sure has. And, you know, I, but I do think that Purdy, I mean, I think he would have succeeded in most functioning situation, like offensive situations in the NFL. And I think the main reason for that is that he's very smart. You know, like he knows he, he's kind of, he knows he's under, he's, he's undersized. So he, he, he approaches the game that way and he doesn't rely on that instinct to, to survive. Almost, you know, I saw him compared to Drew Brees recently in that sense. And that's kind of how he made his 
his uh, living as a court, as an undersized quarterback. And, you know, that's always seemed to be the knock on him in general. It's like, oh, he's too small. Oh, he's too small. He's too small, you know. And but like I said, he knows how to do that by being, he counters that by being highly intelligent. He's an extremely, extremely intelligent quarterback that makes good decisions very frequently. And it's really hard to lose football games when you're making good decisions very frequently as a quarterback. And I think he can make good decisions on most teams in the league. You know, now he lucked out, like we said, and he had to be dropped on one of the best teams in the league in terms of being an absolutely complete and stacked team. So, you know, he's, he definitely gives them a chance to win this game. Is that no means will this game be any sort of blowout. I think Brock Purdy is one of the reasons why. He's proved himself to be the highly efficient NFL quarterback that's probably going to start in this league for a long time. Yeah, I think it's worth noting, too, that, um, I mean, as Ross said, his backup is Sam Darnold. So we already know that he's outperforming Sam Darnold day in, day out in practice. Uh, so you can't just drop anybody in that situation. But B, it really does come down to like, look at it this way. I would call Tom Brady a passenger on his, their first Super Bowl win. I mean, that was a stacked New England team. They had a great defense. He didn't really have to do much. He took a bunch of checkdowns on the final drive of the Super Bowl. And for some reason, um, the Rams just backed all the way off, preventing deep balls on that last drive. So again, not to take anything away from Tom Brady, because to me, he developed into the best quarterback of all time. And uh, I still would say that at the moment, even with everything with that Mahomes is doing. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, Purdy seems to be getting better. He was Mr. Irrelevant, and now he's starting a Super Bowl. I mean, that's an incredible story, and we do have to focus on that somewhat. Yeah, we, we're probably never going to see that again. No. Probably never. I mean, we'll never – maybe we might see Brock Purdy start a Super Bowl again. We're probably never going to see another player do this again. And it's pretty amazing. You know, I know we like to argue about quarterbacks this and going where. You know, and I don't. Oh, Dan cut out a little bit, but he will be back, I'm sure. The 49ers are just, and, and John Lynch, just, just get it right with their draft picks almost all the time. Like so much so that they botched Trey Lance and it doesn't even matter. Like usually when you botch a quarterback pick like that, it sets you back a while. And the 49ers just shrugged that off because they draft so well everywhere. It's such a well-run franchise. Are you alluding to something about winning cultures by any chance, Stan? It's an absolutely, it is an absolutely successful, great building. They make good decisions there, and that seeps through the whole building. They make good decisions from top to bottom. Those are successful organizations in any, in any, in any world, in any in any walk of life, and that is a part of culture. Absolutely, if you're not making good decisions at the top, you're probably not making good decisions on the field or, you know, in the general manager's office either. And yeah. Well, if you draft well, they'll stop for that. I mean, there's nothing, my point about the winning cultures, uh, because I, I can sense the hit coming was always that winning culture is nothing without the QB or talent. Like if you can draft, if you can draft every other position on your roster, then yeah, of course you're going to win even with an okay QB, but Purdy's pretty good. He does a lot of things. Well, he throws those comeback routes really well. He uh, does pretty well in the middle of the field too. It's and obviously he used his legs to just tear apart the Detroit Lions. Um, we already know what we're you could dealing say with. he's doing a he's doing a pretty good job out there. You could, no, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, you could say that. Thank I you, hope Drake. the Chiefs lose. I just Me hope too. they lose so much now. Yeah, every time just... you do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for another 
Chiefs turnover every time you make a dad joke. That's what I'm going to do this week. Oh, I don't don't group dad <laughs> don't group dad jokes in with what we just heard. Okay. Don't group dad jokes in with what we just heard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, this is what you get for having, like, for being the new Patriots, because we can't make fun of your football team anymore. So after this one, after this one, I will. I'm torn here. It's like I'm like the uh, meme of the guy pressing the button because basically, you know, the two choices, because basically where I'm at is I pretty much by nature just hate any dynasty because I don't like to see one team win all the time. Um, But on the flip side, I live up in New England and I would really love to see. Uh, Patrick Mahomes win more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. Like that sounds awesome from the perspective of living up here and dealing with the people up here. So I'm really torn on this one. It'll never be Boston better than Tom. Mode, All right, Jared, say something nice about yeah. Brock Purdy. Brock, it, well, without using a pun. Okay. <laughs> we, might, we might need a man. You just drastically limited my vocabulary um no i i think i think he's doing an excellent job um i I do think he has been facilitated as far as success goes by the just the volume of talent on that team but i think he still is making like you guys already said he's making good decisions which is really putting him a tear up like yes exactly. a, a lot of quarterbacks save like a couple quarterbacks more on the east coast could a lot of those quarterbacks could do well with the talent that the niners have but purdy making the right decisions at the right moments puts him the next notch up um so he really he is doing well there i did not realize that he went to iowa state um yes. so between between having a first name of Brock going to school at Iowa State, the only way he could be any whiter is if he had an NRA card and an eight hundred credit score. Are we allowed to say stuff like that? Or is what that if he I mean, you, you could just may, go with he may well very have those things. You don't know. He probably has a Punisher logo on his car. <laughs> but Where's but he, it's gotta have from, I think the, he's from Florida, Florida originally. Oh, he's definitely got, the Miami wow. area. definitely got a Punisher logo on his car then. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> um, he grew the, up a big Dolphins fan. That's why he wears 13. I got to say, there is nothing that like when I see it, I just want to meet a person less in my life than if I see somebody with like a Punisher logo on their car. I'm just like, man, I have no interest in meeting this individual. I mean, like this, there's, there's probably flag that's just, it, but there's probably worse things. There's probably worse things, but yeah, it's... Off the rails Excessive now again. Orange hair. Um, I, I I did want to dad joke reminded me of dad joke joke of a dad. Um, do we acknowledge uh, EM senior? The what? Yeah, it's not it's not Patrick a good look, Mahomes. is it? No, Patrick Mahomes senior. Wow. Uh, his, Mahomes his having to answer for his, having to answer for his stupid ass family again. Yeah, his family is literally like, I'd say probably one of the worst supporting casts since I don't even know what. Pick a show, any show. Um, his wife drives me up the wall. Um, She's the best of them. 
Yeah, she's I, like I, the most, she's the most, I'm sorry, I, her voice might be annoying, but she is probably the most likable, normal one. Oh, she's all. definitely the best of them, yeah. Yeah. I, I, my only gripe with her is, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think she's fine. I don't mind his wife. No, I agree. I wanted to watch more of the, the quarterback show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to watch more of it, but with how much she was in the first episode, I I, I just, I, I she, haven't watched. She has. She does have a bit of an annoying voice, but I can't knock her. I mean, they, they were, you know, from, they went to school together. She clearly loves him. You know, this is, you know, it's nice. There's no, it doesn't seem like she's after him for anything else, but who he is, you know, but the fact he's got yeah, yeah, dollars. I think, okay. I think they're a sweet story. I mean, she's, she's only ever supportive of him and stuff. I think she's got a, I do feel it. I mean, she's not going to care, but she does get a lot of abuse. I think it's not really necessary when it seems like she's only, you know, trying to be a good mom and a supportive wife. So I think it's a bit, it's a bit unfair. Some of the criticism she gets. Yeah. That's now, what happens when every and woman father, that stands though. around your, that's what happens when every woman that stands around your brother-in-law needs a rape whistle. I think well, it goes true. back to mm -hmm. the same, I think it goes back to some of the same stuff as the Taylor Swift thing. I mean, somebody did a breakdown and found that during the uh, AFC championship game, Taylor Swift was on screen for a total of 13 seconds total. And everyone was screaming on Twitter about how they're sick of seeing Taylor Swift. So it just, some people, I don't know. There's sometimes there's a determination to dislike somebody, but the more I've seen with, from Brittany Mahomes, I like her again, way better than Jackson Mahomes. Jackson Mahomes is very interesting. Yeah. So, um, so Jackson, we've moved on to talking about the other also, quarterback now. But can I, real quick, but just, just talking about like dynasties too. So there's two types of dynasties, okay? There's like the Steelers, Patriots dynasty where it's all business and whatnot. And then there's like the Cowboys and the Showtime Lakers and they're like the flashy dynasties. And I think Chiefs fans just need to come to the realization that the Chiefs are trending towards the flashy dynasty. Uh, you know, all linked to Hollywood and doing all that stuff, and that's fine. It seems more winning. fun. Seems more fun, by the way, than the boring dynasty. It does seem more fun. I don't know. I, I'm Lakers were always cooler than the Celtics, and you know it. And the Patriots. Nobody fucking liked the Patriots. Nobody fucking cares about the Belichick way. You see people up here wearing shirts that say "Do your job." Like, shut the fuck up, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> do your job, like their quarterback Bel could not do. All year, because well, because Belich that's Belichick's whole thing is do your job, or you know a shirt. I saw a shirt once that said "We're on to Cincinnati." Fucking losers. Do you remember Did that you, when uh, they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. When was that? No. That was no. the year they won. One of the um, years they won the Super Bowl. The year Brady got, got smashed by some Monday night yeah. Sunday night football or Monday night football. Oh, they got smashed by Kansas Kansas City. City. Yeah. They got smashed by uh, Kansas City, wasn't it? With uh, uh this, what's his name? Yeah, just when Kansas City were bad as well. Yeah, it was the not former. Bad, not as good. It was Alex Smith. I think it was Alex Smith. The uh, the Alex Smith Kansas City Chiefs smashed the Patriots. Everybody declared the Patriots good. dynasty over, and then they won the Super Bowl. And Belichick did the we're on to. He didn't answer any questions. He just kept saying we're on to Cincinnati, like the little cunt he is. I'm I'm using cunt in the British way. It counts. Yeah. yeah. He is a twat. A proper twat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, but, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I just, it makes the Super Bowl more interesting. I, I like that there's all these articles out there talking about can Taylor Swift feasibly make it back to the game in time from Japan? And it's just, and one of the best one I saw was what it said, like, 
you know, some of the things she's going to have to worry about are like, you know, you know, air, or, you know, the winds and everything. Well, yeah, that makes sense and weather. And also, you know, Las Vegas airport's going to be really busy. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what fucking planet? Do these people think Taylor Swift's flying commercial. <laughs> like, she, she's not getting the queue with everyone else like, to get a possible check. Yeah. They'll find a they'll find landing spot for it. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Private airplane. She'll probably just pull up right next to the sphere and just walk out and she'll be fine. <laughs> she'll land right on the strip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are we all still saying our predictions from last week? We'd like the Chiefs to win. Yeah, without a doubt. But I did just put yeah. the fucking Golden Gate Bridge behind me just because, you know, turning. Because you're, you're a proper turning twat heel. too. Mm-hmm. Matt's heel turn. Heel yeah. turn. <laughs> I definitely think the I think the, the way the Niners do win though is if their offensive line controls this the Chiefs pass rush. I think if their offensive line really controls the Chiefs pass rush and and I think Brock Purdy can do some could possibly do some work underneath and you know and the 49ers defense obviously can keep Mahomes off the, the, the 49ers only win if it's a low scoring game. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though as far as it's, Purdy goes, those were big boy comebacks in the playoffs. Um they were. they were, but I, I don't think I don't think the Chiefs' defense is giving Purdy an easy ride like the Lions' defense did. That's a different. You're, that's a whole different animal. Not playing against that Chiefs' defense, they've been so good all season. They've and been the best defense in the league since the second half of the season. Yeah, which is wild to even think about, considering in the previous two Super Bowl wins, their defense was not the All Star by. Any measure whatsoever. So for their defense to be the highlight this year is just as a Chiefs fan is mind boggling to me. In a good way, it's don't a, get it, me wrong. It, it feels like for years, Jared, you could always you could go back through the last probably 10, 15 years, and every year the Chiefs have had a top defensive player, whether it be, you know, you used to have Tom Bahali at, you know, playing as an edge rusher and who was the safe that you know, Tyron Matthew was there for a little bit, wasn't he? Who was the other safe that you had there for a while as you well? You had Eric you know, Berry. Had, yeah, Eric Berry. Well. You know, you've had some great players there over the years, but they've never actually had a good collective defense. Like, obviously, Chris Jones has been there for a while. Chris Jones has never had a sack or a tackle for loss in a Super Bowl. And he's played in three Super Bowls. That's mad. That is mad. He's definitely had yeah. impacted the games. I mean, he's... Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the big thing that's going to make him dangerous is the fact that I think the big problem why he hasn't been as impactful in Super Bowls, or at least in situations like that, is that there wasn't somebody else you had to watch. So I, I think Karloftis, Karloftis is is one of my really come new on. favorite players. Yeah. And the fact that he's so disruptive. College. Yeah, so he's so disruptive that they almost have to put equal attention on him that they put on Chris Jones. And just like when the Chiefs had multiple receiving threats, you can't just focus on both evenly because somebody's going to slip up and that's all it takes. So even if they shut Chris Jones down, I don't think they'll be able to shut him and Carl Loftus down or vice versa. One of them's going to be taking over the situation when the other one's occupied. And that's going to be a problem for the Niners. I, one yeah. of the dudes, though, right? 
What? Isn't one of the Chiefs guys hurt? I missed I missed that that was walking inside. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you watch TikTok, he's not hurt. He should be though. That's terrible. You should have a career ending injury. Wow. Guys, let's not make this take a dark turn. No. I think we started with a fairly dark turn, so I don't know how dark we could possibly go. So as of when is this article from? This article is from two hours ago. Um, your, uh, your injury report, and I mean, obviously your injury report is always subjective, but you have Pacheco, he'll be fine. Tooney, eh. Uh, He's a big doubt, isn't he? What's that? He's a big doubt, Tooney. Yeah, but his, yeah, his gap is not as much felt. Uh, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, who's been irrelevant in the second half of the season. Uh, Legarius Sneed, who I'm sure that's probably one of those, oh, his thigh or something, and then he'll be fine for the game. And then Willie Gay. Uh, Willie Gay is probably the one that you've heard about. Um. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need Willie Gay back. They missed him in that um in the AFC Championship game, didn't they? I mean, I know they obviously they won the game, but he's a big part of that Chiefs defense and why they've been so so dominant all year. And they'll definitely want him. Um, you know, like he's like Matt, you said earlier that Brock Purdy's good at throwing over the middle, so you're going to need someone like like Willie Gay in the middle to be able to sort of try and cover those passes a bit better than the Ravens did. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm going to mix it up a little bit here, Jared. What are the keys to the 49ers winning this game? Damn it. Uh, definitely keeping Mahomes off the field and finding a way to disrupt the defense enough to just outscore the Chiefs. If they can get those two combined, it's a wrap. Okay. Ross, what do you think? The, I mean, the only way the 49ers win it, and I think you actually kind of half mentioned this last week, Matt, is if they do what the Buccaneers did to him three or four years ago, however long it was. If he's just under like relentless, constant pressure and he hasn't got time to, you know, what he did in that Baltimore game, he was so good at him. He was moving around in the pocket quite a lot and it was giving Kelsey time to do what he does and gave himself some space. But if that 49ers defence can do that, I don't think they will. But if they were able to do that, and that's that's what's going to be key for the 49ers to win. Because the 49ers, they are going to score points as good as that Chiefs defence is. They are going to score points. And it will be, you know, Greg Olsen kept referencing it in the NFC Championship game, kept saying, oh, it's a race to 30. And it could be like that in the Super Bowl as well. But I think there's more chance of the Chiefs being able to stop the 49ers and the other way around because that 49ers defence isn't quite the defence it's been in the last couple of years. So, that, I think that is the only way is if they can just constant pressure on Mahomes and stop it, stop him getting anything going. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, but I actually don't, I'm not looking forward to the game overall as a spectacle because I actually don't think it's going to be particularly close. I hope I'm wrong, but I think Kansas City is going to run away with it. Of course, Dan and I sat on this very podcast when Kansas City played the Buccaneers and we both could not come up with a path for the Buccaneers to win. And we looked fucking stupid after that. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what could happen? 
as far See, as it goes, I, I think we, it is going to be close, though. I think it's going to be very close, and I, I, I do think it's going to come down to some sort of excitement in the fourth quarter. Whatever direction that excitement goes, I, I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. Okay, fair. I predicted, I predicted a, cl- I predicted a close score, but who knows? Uh, Ross, what's your prediction? I can't remember what I mean. I might have said 27, 21 or something last week, something like that. I think I said 20 I to 17, a two or something like it, that. I think so. it'll be within a, t- within a touchdown at least. I can't I, I can't see it being a Chiefs blowout, but I do see them being able to pull through. Okay. Jared, want to give one final score prediction? Dan had to jump off, but... Uh... Well, Dan's, Dan's score prediction was 56-4. So oh, you're right. The, yeah. losing, the losing team scores. No, that's, sorry, the winning team that's scores what he thought I was going to two safeties. Yeah, I mean that's Dan, Dan also I'm told us good. that if he's wrong, then he's gonna come on the show and sing bubbles. So I it seems it seems fair. So yeah, it seems right. I think I think he said 3125 and I said twenty or thirty-one twenty-four. Whatever our predictions were, uh they were like a point apart for the Niners. So I think I'm gonna stick with that. Um I'm back and forth whether I want to say 27-24 or 31-24. It's just a matter of how much of a buffer the Chiefs give themselves. But I, I think it's going to be that close. What, Jared, what is your day look like on Sunday? Like, how will you be Sunday morning like on, on game day? How will you be like leading up to the game? What are you going to um, be? Like I will be jittery. I'll be nervous. But overall, I'll be excited. Uh, I have uh, my son's got a hitting lesson that morning, so I'll, I'll have enough distraction during the day. But yeah. the minute my uh, my buttocks touches the couch, um, I I probably will not be able to sit all the way back on the couch. It'll be like that front six seven yeah. inches of the couch <laughs> for the entirety of the game, um, yeah. and I will not move from that spot save a run to the bathroom during halftime because I'm really not, I don't hate this year's halftime, but I'm not super excited about it. So yeah, that'll be my bathroom break. Usher. Uh, Usher. Usher. I like Usher. Yeah. Like I said, I don't hate it. Like there have been some halftime shows recently that I'm like, unfortunately, I, I guess it adds to why I hate them, but the weekend, I was never a big weekend fan, and his halftime show was Chiefs Buccaneers. So I it was now I have, deep, I have a deep seated <sighs> hatred for the weekend now. Do you just hate everything say, fun? I, Taylor Swift. I hate, uh, I, I hate all weekend and um, all weekends, all halftime shows. I mean, for me, the weekend, the um, why do I keep saying the weekend? The halftime show normally hits about one thirty, one a.m. So for me, I'm just like, can we? I re- what I really don't need is an extended halftime. I just need to get on with it so we can get to the end of the game mm. so I don't have to set up until four o'clock just because I've got 45 minutes of Usher prancing around. Yeah. Understandable. Flip side is if you come watch the game on East Coast time with us, it's like 8 p.m. when that happens and it's like prime drinking time mm-hmm. too. You know, usually at that point, I've finally gotten the kids to bed so I can finally sit back and like watch the game. Um, yeah, Somebody the first- brought up a valid point that Super Bowl – uh, the NFL should find a way to modify the schedule to push 
Super Bowl Sunday, the day before President's Week, uh, President's Day. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Oh so my God, it's a dream come true. See, yes, I stand by my previous statement. So that would give the Monday off for a lot of people. Wouldn't be for me because we don't observe President's Day, but because um, you hate I America, have... Xfinity. You hate uh, America I... and all of your customers in it. The cable never stops. It just Absolutely. keeps going and going and going. What? <laughs> but it makes I me think say, of that South Park. Uh, Remember the South Park with the Xfinity guy, like rubbing his nipples and saying he can't help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you have no internet. Oh, that's so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, I- I'm very excited. I really to... enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm very excited to see the final outcome of the game. Um, especially the Chiefs winning, because then I can come in on Monday and um, my boss has to take a photo in a Chiefs hat and Chiefs jersey. So I'm very excited about that. Your boss is a Niners fan? Oh, yes. Diehard. He's met. He has a photo on his desk. Uh, I have to do the reverse. So I would have to take a photo with him. In a Niners hat and a Niners jersey, and I mean, I for you, I, and I would send it to your win. text message group with your but yeah, I, I, would, I kind of want to see the 49ers win now just so I can see that picture because it would be good fun. But mm-hmm. I do hope the, the Chiefs win, yeah. Unless, he, unless he has a Montana jersey, then I won't be so upset about it, but I still won't be happy because the Chiefs Irish. would have had to lose. Yeah, I'm right, number three. Okay, well, on that note, uh, Dan, we just went through our score predictions, uh. And we just forgot yours. We thought it was like 55 to four Kansas city. And then if that was my silly score prediction, that doesn't happen. You have to come on the show and sing uh, forever blowing bubbles. So that's that Correct. was made up. It's fake news, fake news, <laughs> fake prediction, fake everything. Um, I think what did I say last week? I think it was like 27 to 23. I thought the chiefs were going to win somewhere along that line. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. stick it with that. By the way, that reminds me, we really fucked up because when you bet on uh, when you bet us that uh, Spurs would beat City in the FA Cup, we never bothered to like get something in return from you. You even offered it, and I sure we just, did. We realized we dropped the ball on that one. We should have, yeah, failed miserably. Yeah, yeah, but I got him. I got him with my right in the sand, so we won that round. Really, you did. You did yeah, you, we did win that. <laughs> um, the writing in the sand. I've showed a lot of people that too. That's good stuff. Um, Ross has been going for walks on the beach. I had been bugging Ross every time he took a walk on the beach, asking if there were surfers. And then one day he messages me that, Hey Matt, there's surfers. And in the foreground, he's written cunt in the sand. It's good stuff. Um, <laughs> the surfers were in the background too. There were really surfers there. Well so, hey, well it was played. everything that you wanted. Yeah. I uh, just, yeah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So on that note, I think we're sufficiently previewed for the Super Bowl and for um all of the other stuff. Uh Jared, your team's playing. You're raising so, your hands. Final thoughts. I, I no, not about I, I think we've said everything we can about that. Um so little l- hop on my segue here. Uh did you see the the latest official announcement from the Washington Commanders, such a terrible team name? Uh, they've officially announced that Eric Bieniemy will not be back with the organization in 2024. It's not surprising. I am, but I'm not. 
I got to be honest. It's a new coach. It's a new coach. Well, okay. That's why I'm not surprised. But why I am surprised is didn't they specifically bring him in as the OC slash assistant head coach right from the jump? Yeah. So it it almost implied like a, a level of succession to me, a la Jared Mayo or something of that nature, but it ended up not being that. And then they just kept pulling people in line in front of them and then said, oh, shit, forgot you were there. Uh, bye. Like, that's what it felt like to me. And I'm 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 not understanding the constant snub if he's such a good coach. It's got to be something beyond a football thing either. He doesn't interview well, or maybe he's too much of a player's guy to the point that, like, he'd make a better coordinator slash assistant coach who were, I think, more leaned on to be, like, you know, the good cop in a lot of situations, whereas the head coach is a little more of the bad cop. So I'm thinking it might be something along those lines at this point. Um, yeah, because he's had success. You know, even, like, Sam Howell looked like a functioning quarterback at times this year despite getting, like, massacred by the, the Washington offensive line. So I think it's along those lines, you know, that's the only thing I can imagine. Um, I know in the past, you know, race has been brought up with him. Um, but I feel like a lot of, in the past two years, I mean, have, have, have I feel like a decent amount of African-American head coaches have been hired in the past two highly hiring cycles, if I'm not mistaken. I thought I heard somewhere that they've actually in this one, there was more. Didn't someone back me up on that? So I might be wrong. I have no idea. Um, I, I mean, besides Gerard Mayo, I'm not sure. You got Raheem Morris as well, didn't you? Yep, Raheem Morris, Jared Mayo. I feel like there's there's one. Yeah, D'Amico, there's D'Amico Ryan's last year as well. Didn't D'Amico you? Ryan's last year. So you know, I I have a hard time thinking it's that because he's interviewed for so many jobs. You'd say that, and then you know, there's pictures of Jay. Uh, what is it? Uh, Cowboys owner. You know, standing Jerry on Brent. the ro- yeah, standing on the wrong side of a school integration protest. So there's also that. The, the problem, the problem with the NFL and one of these these things about the Rooney Rule is it works to a certain extent in that there's candidates that have been interviewed that wouldn't have got interviewed otherwise. But I don't know how many of these interviews for the enemy and other minority candidates are just to are they genuine? To, yeah, are just to be part of the rule. Now, the enemy's been a you know, a coordinator for a number of years now. But, and like you said, Dan, he's been for multiple, multiple interviews. And this is every year as well. And has never got close to a job. And he had to leave the Chiefs to go and have, he thinks that would give him a better chance of having a job because they wanted to see him. It's almost like I want to see him away from the Chiefs. And he's still nowhere closer to getting a job. So I don't, you know, I don't know with that rule, how, you know, how beneficial it is for the minority candidates in the sense that some will just be getting interviews for the sake of a rule. But Mike Tomlin, the only reason he got you know, he got an, got the job was because of because of that. Not the only reason, sorry, but you know, the reason he one of the reasons he got the interview was because of that role. And then he came in, and obviously, then he got the job, and he's done pretty pretty good job for the Steelers for the last ten or years or whatever it is. But, you know, with the enemy, consecutive I, 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 winning seasons. Yeah, so I I don't know with the enemy. It's just it's so strange. Like you can go from, I mean, Ben Johnson has been on a team for two years and had a good offense. They've not been a high powered offense. You know, they've not been an incredible offense. They've been, they have been a good offense and he's been getting multiple, you know, supposedly he'd have lowered his demands a little bit. He could have got a job this year and he turned down jobs last year as well. So how is he getting it for two years? But the enemy has been doing it for several years. There's something, I said, right. I'm not saying it's the race thing, but there is something strange about the situation and as to he, why he can't get any further. 
Yeah, and if you think about it, if it was something about like him, like his personality rubbing people the wrong, wrong way, I feel like that would have been leaked by now. Like a good example because, is in the NHL. You know, you know these owners talk. So right. if he's interviewed badly at three or four different teams, those owners are going to tell other owners. Like that's yeah. that's that's going to get around. Like, but you don't hear that. So I just I don't understand what's happening with him. There was a there's a coach in the NHL. His name is he's the coach the Rangers in Vegas. His name is Gerard Gallant, and he has a reputation of being a pain to work with, and he doesn't last in jobs very long because of it. Uh, John Tortorella is another one in the NHL that has that same sort of reputation where he's bounced around lots of different jobs. He's hard to work with. Usually you kind of, you know that you're, like we know like one of the reasons Bill Belichick didn't get hired is he wants too much control, makes him a little tough to work with. You know, so you hear these things do the great life. I feel like you would have heard about it at the enemy night now. It's just something, something really strange that, that this does. And I, I wish we could like pinpoint it, you know, or I wish there was like some sort. I almost wish there was a leak, because it's just kind of baffling how he keeps getting passed over for these jobs. It really is, and you know, it, does, it doesn't even feel like he's getting close. Like, you know, it's sort of as as after a couple of weeks after the searches have narrowed down, you normally get the you know Schefter's rep reports, whoever saying it's down to this guy and this guy. It's down to a couple of people. He never seems to be in the final, you know, the the sort of the final go and the final push to get a head coach. It he just for whatever reason, he just hasn't hasn't got that far. But it's been going on for multiple years. So, wish I could be a fly in the room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I at baseline kind of assume all of these owners are pretty racist, just based on when they grew up, what class they grew up in, and all of the above. Uh, and also the pictures of Jerry Jones protesting school integration. And then he tried to claim he didn't know what he was protesting. So, yeah, piece of shit. That explains, like, is, Cowboys, but how does player, it explain... So, so I can explain the Cowboys, but it's just... How does it explain, like, Washington with new ownership and new new, new general, new management, new everything? I am like, not... How does it explain Atlanta? How does it explain these other places, you know? I am not dying on the hill of Eric Bieniemy needs to be a head coach yesterday because I don't know. I don't know enough to make that statement. But what I do know is just how many just like shitty white dudes get coaching jobs in the NFL and then fail out yeah. right away who don't have those kind of qualifications. So that's that's the side I'm more Adam looking Gase. at. Yeah. Like Adam Gase got two jobs because Peyton Manning I mean, the, is cool. The weird thing with Washington is you, you've got, you're probably 90, 99% sure they're going with a quarterback at number two in the draft. So you think, all right, they, they have brought Cliff Kingsbury in. But you would have thought that Quite often they'll go a offensive route to have you know pair up your your coach and your new rookie quarterback, but they've decided to move away from that and go on defensive coach with Dan Quinn instead. But to not even keep the enemy on the staff at all, whether that means Quinn just wanted to go his own way and wanted to be sort of completely separate from what had happened in previous years, yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. But it's he's it, the enemy one is a strange one. But there are other coaches that like we've spoken about it before, like with. Steve Spagnola. I mean, he could. He did have. He had a sort of a run with the Rams, and he. I think he went like something like two and fourteen, and then yeah, it was nine and seven, and then one and fifteen. So he had two really bad seasons, and then in the middle, sort of one nine and seven season. But then he, he's never been mentioned since. I mean, he took over the Giants as an interim coach for a little bit when I think it was a McAdoo was five, maybe. But yes. other than that, he just there's nothing. There's nothing any every year, and he's been 
he's been great for the Chiefs. He's gonna he's gonna finish his career with sort of like six or seven there, Super Bowl rings. There also might be some just shoot the thought that some guys are just viewed as better coordinators than they are head coaches. Yeah, it's a whole different, wonder, a whole different skill set. Uh, but I, wonder, I wonder what that. Di- I wonder what that difference is. That means you can be a great coordinator, but you can't be a great head coach. Like, what, well, what coach, is it? What is the difference? You're running the whole organization. You're running the yeah. the, the, the whole on field product is under your wing. You're responsible for not just the offense, the offense, defense, and the special teams. Everybody comes some, to you. See, some Everybody comes got to you for every on field personal decision who can handle yeah. that. Whereas some guy, an offensive coordinator, you're just coaching the offense and and. You know, the enemy even in Kansas City wasn't even calling plays. You know, so it's just it's it's that that's which probably also goes against him a bit, but that's beyond the point. Well, there's um, some some guys are just aren't as the skill sets not there. There's something to be said too when you're the head coach, you're supportive, supposed to be the chief executive. That's a lot of what the Jets thought they were getting in uh, Robert Sala was you know chief executive of the whole organization, and he's just turned out to be you know Mister Defensive Coordinator and not really caring about the offense as we found out in the athletic article last week. Did any of you guys read that athletic article or see it? It's on my to-do list. I have to read it. It was good. Um, it was pretty I mean, much. I, well, as a Jets fan, Matt, it is not good, but it is an it interesting was a good article. article. It, it, yeah. But I'm not, but I'm a fan in the sense, and Ross, we talk about this a lot. I'm a fan in the sense of, I want to see the franchise do well. Franchise is not doing well right now. So I'm not going to be in denial and pretend that like, we need to defend this current, uh, owner but my favorite bit in the article is and it's just like the perfect microcosm of why the jets are a shit show apparently in his meetings with robert sala woody johnson like goes through twitter and like talks about tweets about the jets and reads them to robert sala so you just imagine he's reading some tweet to robert sala of me calling him a pharma and nepa bro or making fun of robert sala so robert sala knows we've been making fun of his colgate commercial um but besides your your pharma bro tweets like how just from a, a sheer like looking at it as a parental perspective like if if my kid was a pro player i'm not sitting there reading them tweets because how is that beneficial to my kid because again so, this goes back to it. woody johnson is the problem with the jets um joe douglas stinks too joe douglas pharma is GM. Starts from the top. It starts from the top. Woody Johnson is the problem with the New York Jets. He should not be meeting with the head coach that often anyway. A strong, like, why is why is Woody Johnson just meeting alone Sign with the, the head coach? Dude. Sign yeah. the paychecks. Sign the paychecks. Get the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out of the way. Hire football people who have spent their entire life, you know, in the world of football, being smart about football instead of just, you know, spending their life inheriting money and, you know, pretending they're really good at being rich or something, whatever the fuck he does. Um, it, it boggles my mind, like a good in the jet. We knew this too. I knew this would fail when the jets announced that, you know, with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, each one was going to report individually to Woody Johnson. That was the first time I knew that this was always going to fail, but it, yeah, organizational shit show. And it does come down to a way that a lot of these organizations are run. Um, yeah, I'm 90% sure. Like, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again, it's the Jets are just going to fucking implode as a franchise. It's going to be like 10 times worse than it was this year. Because everybody is sort of getting through this year with the hope that Aaron Rodgers will be back. Sure and, yep. you know, because it does change everything, obviously. if Aaron, They won seven games with Zach Wilson and uh, who the fuck knows who else. There's some guy from UConn. Um, oh, sorry, Zach Wilson. Just need to point this out. Rich, is it Rich Samini? Is that how you pronounce his name? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been doing some digging at the uh, at the, at the uh, Senior Bowl this week and talking to some people at the Super Bowl. And the general oh, consensus, I've been waiting to say this, the general consensus is that Zach Wilson's trade value is somewhere from a seventh round pick to a two week stay at a Best Western Hotel. So I saw that. That was one <laughs> scout. Um, I stand by my prediction of day three pick, like third or fourth no. rounder. No, you didn't say that. You said one to three. We've been no. over this. I said one to three because I had to be in that range. I wasn't. I don't. I don't. I don't care what you because was a day three. Do you understand four, how five, overs six, and three. unders work, right, for betting? Because you're the, five, six, you're the four, fucking five, gambler six, seven here. Is day three. Yeah, but day three is four, five, six, seven. Day two is two and three, and day one is round one. All right, so, so day, one, two, three. three is four, five, six. I still wish four, I'd five, included six, four in my initial projection. But I mean, I, honestly, I wouldn't have traded for like a six-round pick, dude. <laughs> okay, so you want to you want to reframe the debates? I'll say one through four, and you say five through seven. Need to. I'll, 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 if he goes for that two weeks, the best the best Western, I'm going to be delighted. Okay. Um, Jets are a shit show. Uh, great article in the Athletic. Uh, I would recommend reading it. Uh, let's let's move on from the NFL altogether. If you're ready, Ross, are you ready? I'm ready. Dan walked away, so that mean, must mean he's ready. Um, Jared, thank you. I'm going to step away myself. Oh, well, we were going to talk about West Ham Bournemouth, so it seems right up your alley. Yeah, that, um, that that's going to burn me right out of my shoes. So uh, let's go, Chiefs. Um, and hopefully next week I'm talking to you guys, waiting for my Super Bowl 58 champions shirt to come in. Yes, I hope so for you, Jared. I hope so. All right. Instead of focusing on one particular one of these games, because it was a rough month for West Ham, um, all of January was basically a rough month, coming off a famous December, which give me the famous December anytime. I'll take a rough month where they only play a few games anyway. But because that Christmas period for me is always just one of the keys to your season. You can either jumpstart or sink your season during that whole period. Um, Ross... Let's talk a little bit about style of play because it is the hot topic right now in West Ham world. Um, what I think most people, when they talk about style of play, I don't think people actually know what they're talking about. And I'm going to give my hypothesis right off the top. I don't think that the majority of people um, who follow the sport understand anything about tactics, understand how to you know watch what's happening on the pitch. And that's fine. You don't have to. We're fans. But what I think people, when they talk about tactics and boring tactics, I think they just mean there weren't a lot of goals in the game. So I think if somebody watches a 2-1 or a 1-1 game, they might say it was tactically boring or like watching paint dry or whatever. But then the same people will point to Leon away. Now, what was Leon away? It was a tight game. We nicked a goal from uh, Virgil van Dawson off a corner and then hit them on the break twice. That game was a fucking counter-attacking masterclass. That was the David Moyes, like that is the poster child of David Moyes football, if you ask me, is Leon away. But people will point to it as some, you know, we had a go, blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of what renders a lot of this meaningless to me. So Ross, I would like your thoughts on this whole style of play argument, West Ham's current manager, and just, what do you think? What do you think well, we should do? I think. I think you and I have agreed on 99% of what, you know, what has happened over the last two years or whatever, you know, since we started progressing and since we won that trophy. Dan, we won a trophy, just want to remind you. Trophy. But there has been 
there has been a a lot of games where you do wonder what is going on and you do wonder why there doesn't seem to be much happening. But there has been games, like you said, like Leon away, where you can point to it, you can say, yeah, that has been... And in fact, even Tottenham away and Arsenal away in that month of December, where we soaked up a lot of pressure, we got goals on the counter when we could, and then we played to our strengths and played in a way that stopped Arsenal playing and stopped Tottenham. And then it's not so they didn't have their chances. We didn't shut them down completely, but we were able to limit what our opposition could do. The frustrating thing for me is... I don't, Every team is going to have, especially if you're not, you know, Man City are going to play one way because they are better than everyone else. It doesn't matter. When you're a team like West Ham, you are going to have to find different ways to play against different teams because you are going to have to set up differently against, again, a team like Man City than you would against Luton. So there is different ways to play and different ways to do things. I actually don't know what the, what the ideal way for West Ham is to play. I think what frustrates us as fans sometimes is that we have actually got a lot of attacking players and we have got some players that are good at going forward, Pakatar, Kudas, Bowen. We should be, it does feel like sometimes we should be more attacking and it, it does feel that, but then we have to base our team around what our strengths are and what and what we can do well. If you can't set up that base and be solid at the back to start with, then what's the point in being good at going forward? Like Real Madrid's, um, reputation in sort of the early 2000s, that early Galacticos era was attack, 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 which was great when you've got, you know, world-class players in your team. We don't have that. So you do have to be sort of more cautious and more careful about where things are at times and, and how you're going to play. We played terrible against Bournemouth on Thursday. We just couldn't, it's just one of those games and, it ha- you know, it happens. If we've all seen it for across, you know, from our teams over, over years, but they just didn't get anything going. They couldn't pass the ball. They couldn't get things moving. They did. They were just Bournemouth were just passing it around. Bournemouth weren't even playing that well, but they were just moving the ball better than we were. They had a and good you first go to, fifteen minutes, basically, and then after yeah. that, they take they faded away. Yeah, yeah. But they, you know, they played probably better than us for the majority of the game. But we just couldn't start anything. So we couldn't gain any. There was no composure. There was no momentum in the game that could be gained because we couldn't string three or four passes together. So attacks get breaking down, and I mean the crowd after. Six minutes, we're already getting really upset and agitated. Oh, admittedly, we, we, did, we did go 1-0 down to a really early sloppy goal. And we obviously, sort of three or four minutes, I think, that goal went in from... But that was just sloppy play on our part. And then that didn't really improve for the rest of the game. And we did have a couple of chances, but so did Bournemouth. But there, there wasn't... I, I couldn't tell you what we were trying to play on Thursday. Whereas Sunday against Man United, it we managed to lose 3-0, but we could have scored four goals. We didn't. So it doesn't the result is the result, but we played in a completely different. We looked like a completely different teams from three days previously, and we actually tried to go at Man United. You know, we were trying to break them down. We did counter attack quite a few times, quite successfully. Apart from the fact you couldn't do the important thing and put it in the net, it's frustrating to watch sometimes because, as I said, I don't know what our best, I don't know what our best style of play should be, but I do understand that there's going to be different styles for different games and there's going to be different ways to win games depending on home away team you're just like you you play differently against Brighton at home than you would against Luton at home like there's just there's just different style because you have to combat the other team's style as well as I said like Man City can they can play however they want in every game because they are better than every team they won't always win but generally they are going to win a team at sort of our level and this is the same for Tottenham as well Dan they will have to adjust when they play different teams because you can't just be the same team all the time when there are teams that are better than you. So and you have you. to... 
Tottenham yeah. sat deep. Sat, Tottenham no, sat pretty didn't. deep against Everton. Their defensive line was low. I mean, first was... first half, first half they were still doing their standard high press. I still don't understand the point of that, but they they did it, and then they just dropped off and dropped off. And obviously, the more pressure that Everton put on, they yeah, you know, sort of crumbled in the end. But yeah, so that's crumbled. a game. Well, Which touched... is, for me, that touches a point like don't change your style. Like take what your what your manager does best. Like you, we we know what Moy's ball is, all right. So we know what what Postacoglu is going to do, right? So take what your manager does best and respond to it. Managers lose their jobs when what they do, when they can't when the players stop responding to the message. Okay, Moyes' message is more often than not counterattacking football. So you put the players out there necessary to win that. And if the players you have there aren't responding to the manager, usually it's the manager that goes. You don't replace the home team; you should replace the manager. So, but you can't, but you can't play that style of counterattacking football against teams that are going to sit deep and not break themselves. So, if you if you're playing a, if you're playing a team at home, right. and you're playing, I, I keep using Luton as an example, but just I'm thinking of a team like Sheffield. I'll go Sheffield. I'll go Sheffield yeah. United this time because they are not going to come out and attack you the way that, like Matt said, you know that game away in Leon a couple of years ago where. They had to come out and attack us because they were looking to win that second leg. And then we were able to defend well and then it cap- caps them on the break. Right. Sheffield United aren't going to do that. They're, they're, obviously, they're going to push forward and every team is you know, trying to get goals and whatever. But they are, you aren't, you can't play the same because that counter-attack is, only, is not going to work against teams that sit deep. I agree. So you have to, you have to, you have to find a different way to play in those games. And it's whether, like I said, you know, the big games, is whether you can soak that up and then take your chances when you can on the break. But... You have to. You do have to adapt when you play in other styles. Does Moyes have that ability? Does yeah, Moyes I mean, you see it sometimes. Because you say yes, and Ross, you're kind of like. Eh. I mean, if so, listen to me. I I am always very clear that I do not care about the style. I want results. I don't care what we play. And a, I think we're I think we're much better on the break. B, I get a certain sick satisfaction maybe because I'm just deep down a troll. But I get a certain satisfaction out of when a team's coming at you, pouring on the pressure, pouring on the pressure, but not really getting into your box at all. And then you hit them on the break and score a goal. And then the announcers marvel at how it was against the run of play. That's like one of the most enjoyable things to be on the uh, good end of as a fan. Um, Dan, you're more often than not on the poor end of that. So I understand you probably don't like that sort of thing. I So like, look at, look at the, look at the games we played. So, United away. Um, United sat deep. They basically looked like they were wanting to defend deep that whole game, and West Ham did well with the ball. That's they, been the United all year, for the most part. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're too. dropping the dankest low block in England, but uh, I don't know. Once well, I Man, saw... Man United have needed to go back to that just to get themselves solid and just to give themselves the base to work from because what they were trying to do wasn't working. So I think Ten Hag has needed to change things to try and give them a some kind of base get... because... You give credit because usually you'll see a manager just end up getting fired trying to stick to their system. Um, yeah. Cause you, but his system's got, in one of the best leagues in the world, his system's got to be pretty hard to recruit players for to begin with. Because um, it's pretty complicated the way. But anyway, uh, I thought we played some good stuff. I thought we progressed the ball well. Didn't put it in the back of the net. And the key issue for not putting it in the back of the net for me was, A, United just did a great job defending. I mean, they were everywhere. Even when they started to get numbers forward, they always found a way to get back. Uh, Maguire just owns West Ham. That's why I, part of why I want him too. He's just like a silent little West Ham killer. Because um, everything we do, like he just nullified Suchek in that game and anything Suchek would try to do in the box. 
But B, also, we just didn't get any big chances. Just couldn't find that final pass or that final look for like a clear chance on goal. Emerson had the one, but again, I mean, that was a pretty sharp I would angle. Say, I would say we had at least three, two from Emerson and one from Bowen, where Bowen probably took a half second too late and Dallow come back and challenged him. The Bowen but, one, I'll know, give you. The, had... the Emerson ones were tough because Emerson, one of the passes was behind him too. The one he got more at the uh, towards the outside. Emerson's Man United's first two goals. Emerson's chances are better chances than both of those, but they took them. Yeah, but that's we also have, we've had some killer finishes this season too. Go our way, and then mm. like that's I don't know. All that stuff evens out, in my opinion. That's what XG says, at least. Yeah. Well. Ah, yeah. I don't know. So, what do you think, Ross? Are you still Moisen? Oh yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't changed on that. I'm. I'm frustrated with the last few weeks, like from like you said, from the start of January. We had the disappointing result in the cup. Um, yeah, obviously we didn't play many games, but yeah, we've had that. And then if you want to do well, like you as, as although Bournemouth have been on a good run recently, and they didn't, yeah, I said they, they played pretty well to start off in that game. Like you that's a home game you should be winning, but you need to be trying you need to be trying to win those games if you want to compete for European spots because there's a lot of teams like Villa, Newcastle, and obviously the other top teams like Tottenham. Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, they're all, or Chelsea, not up there, but so, you know, they're trying to push to that level as well. And Brighton, they're all trying to go for those spots. And there's only a few spots. So you can't afford really to be dropping points in games like that. And we have. And um, yeah, we we just we just need to do better. But yeah, I feel like we're, we're probably not on not on our greatest greatest no. one of form at the moment. Obviously, it has coincided with us with us missing players and then we're trying to integrate Phillips into the team on Thursday and just we tried to play four centre midfielders in a completely unbalanced formation that just looked terrible. And I think it will help when we get Pakatar back and we can actually just play a settled team and have our best players out on the pitch. But everyone gets injuries, you just have to get on with it. That's just part and part part parcel of the season and how you survive when you when you get those injuries. And unfortunately we haven't survived very well when we've lost those players. Yeah. I, although I, I will say we got some surprise results too. So in the end, we're probably right where we would expect to be, um, given the way everything's played out. So I'd like to be a little higher, but um, I think we're in a good position for the rest of the season. If we get Pakata back, our upcoming run of games is not easy, but friendlier after Arsenal. Um, yeah. What do you think? Sorry, Ross, sorry to pepper you here, but what do you think of this whole movement around people canceling their season tickets? Do you think... People are going to do it. Do you think it's just a few people online? Um, am I telling I think, you about? I, th- I think like a lot of, a lot of sort of when it becomes to, when it becomes negative news, I think the negative news stands out more than the positive news. So those negative few that are shouting, there's going to be the West Ham season ticket. If it were, my dad's looked at our season tickets and he said, you know, if he's, he said if we give them up, he said we'll never get them back again. So. For those few that say, oh, I'm going to give them up and I'm fed up with Moyes and whatever, we'll be fine without you. Don't worry, just go. Isn't like, there a waiting the list? Is, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a waiting list that's, I don't know, I don't know how many years, but it's, yeah, you're not getting, if we, I said, if we give up our season tickets this year, which we're not, we've had them for, I don't know, 20 years or whatever now, we're not giving them up. But if we did, we wouldn't get them again for years and years and years. So that's why, you know, they, but there's people like, you know, that you and I know, Matt, that speak about, oh, I don't, I don't like the style of football, so I'm going to give up my season ticket. Okay, fine. The club will be fine without you. Then don't worry. If, if you're not, if you're not going to support the team, regardless of whether you're a big fan of the style of play, the team will be fine without you. Then don't worry about it. So those few negative guys, if they want to, you know, if they sort of want to scream and shout and moan about that kind of thing, then let them go ahead. I said, there'll be plenty of fans that want to come in and want to actually 
do it and support. So they're, they're in they're in the minority. Those people. You're not going to have forty thousand people. Get, uh, we've got something like fifty thousand season ticket holders. They aren't. You know, we're not we're not losing forty thousand people from dropping that dropping their season ticket. So I've got I've got no concerns about that at all. No, it was like two hundred people deal in an online poll. Silly. Yeah, yeah, it's done. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right, Dan. Let's give you a little uh, moment. Uh, talk some Spurs. Um. Um. So big draw with Everton. Say, a, a draw at Everton. Not not a great draw. I mean, at least it was on the road. Um. I definitely. I was away this weekend, so big forewarning. My uh, my um, wife and I were on our mini moon out in central Pennsylvania this weekend. Matt is apparently picking Declan Rice's nose. Is that Declan Rice? Just covering up his face and trying to point to the trophy. Oh, okay. There's a picture of West Ham holding the uh, soccer NIT behind Matt, and Matt is picking Declan Rice's nose as he holds the NIT trophy above his head. It's a European new, trophy. The European NIT. Why couldn't Tottenham win it? They didn't want it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, nah. Traditionally, a trophy-starved club just didn't want a trophy. <laughs> nah, I know that's that's how that's how meaningless it is. A trophy-starved club had no interest. They'd rather have, get canceled by COVID. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bad. so the match, um, you know, great. I mean, Richarlison was fantastic doing the Harry Kane trick, where the team is like pretty uh, subpar, and he's great and just mashes every chance that he got. Not just pretty subpar. If you looked at the ratings on like Infostat or everybody else was between a oh, four and a six. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to be rated at a four and a half as a professional yeah. footballer and then, and, and, and and then, then not lose? And then Richarlison was rated at nine point nine. Yeah, he um, was fantastic. You guys have done all that work. New manager, new system, brought in a bunch of new players. Also, that you could have Richarlison bail you out instead of Harry Kane. I mean, pretty much. I mean, also, a lot of players are not here right now, away on cup duty, doing things. Son, Son uh, Pepe Mate Sar, who I believe has been a fantastic, fantastic piece. I don't believe he played the other night. Like, I was told, again, I was away. I was told when Madison was back, everything was going to be, when Madison and uh, Mickey were back, everything would be great. And everything's going to be fine. I'm not really concerned with Spurs, as, you know. They didn't drop it. They, they got a point still. They went on the road. You'd like to see them get three against Everton. But Everton are also a good mid-table squad who are capable of beating a team like Spurs at home. And I know they're at the bottom of the table, but that's because of a points deduction, and we all know that. Um, there's no there's no shame in going out there and, and, and you know getting the draw. It's just how it got done. Um, Romero, that's what I want to talk about. Love his tenacity. Love the work rate. You know, I... I, I I love that he's, you know, not a pushover. He's the sound kind of, of bones breaking. Yeah, he needs to get a little control of himself. Just positioning and and just him it's play especially I mean his set piece play. Poor decisions by him led to both of those goals. Uh one obviously the header, which I mean, you know, he's obviously trying to clear what are you going to do. You know, it's kind of a unfortunate an unfortunate just not enough on that. But the first goal, I mean, just get not blocking the shooting lane and not manning anybody up. Just kind of standing there in no man's land as Everton put the first goal home. And like I said, they, the Spurs did not play well overall. And teams are going to start like pushing Vicario around in the box now on on those set pieces. They're really going to start beating him up now because I mean, if you, I don't know if you look at Spurs, we'll talk about XG. I believe his XG on set pieces is is five point five. Like keep like in favor of whatever a good for the goalkeeper is. 
So the team should be scoring, should have scored five and a half more goals on set pieces off Spurs this year, and they haven't because of Vicario. So now teams are starting to neutralize that, and United did this too um, by just you know getting physical with him and not letting him get those big arms up there to punch the ball away. So got now Romero and Mickey are going to have to really step up, and, and the defense and the rest of the, of whoever's defending for Tottenham are really going to step up on these set pieces because teams are starting to pick Tottenham off now, and you know Vicario is not going to be able to bail them out every time, and that's what's really worrying me or anything else. Some, you know, the attack is what it is. They they can score by holding possession and doing you know Ange ball, or they can get the ball to Vicharlison. He can be a proper striker and actually score goals on a consistent basis, like we pay him to do. So. <laughs> Why go deep position? So anyway, that's where I'm at with them. I'm not like panicked. I, I still think you know there's no reason why the team shouldn't get European football this year, whether it's either of the three leagues, the Champions Europe or the NIT. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. It's just not. Plus, I'm sure it'll be an extra spot. Because I'm sure eighth place will get in because I'm sure one of the top four teams will win some sort of cup or something. There was a rumor. Um, well, it would be it would be top six, and then if one of the teams, uh, the big one is Chelsea Liverpool. If che- if Chelsea beat Liverpool, it basically means seventh place won't be a conference league at that point. Like sixth place would be the conference league. Okay. And then I think it gets worse too if uh, somebody outside wins the FA Cup. But anyway, um, yeah. The point is uh, going to be an interesting second half of the season. We've got European football coming back, which, you know, will be the primary focus. But, uh, you know, you guys, you're trying to get back there. So focusing on the league will be important. Um, and yeah, you should is. have the and league to focus on after that yeah, exit exactly. from the FA Cup. Yeah, exit from the FA Cup, you know, it kind of, you know, it sucked. I mean, it's it's funny because we play so well against City and, you know, we're due for a loss against City. And, of course, it's in the Elimination, elimination Cup tournament and not in the league where you'd rather stomach a loss to City. But, you know, it is what it is, and then it gets focused on the league and put all their horses towards getting in top four, which, you know, they're only two points off Villa right now. Completely, completely doable. Top of the table. Um, are Were you guys on the City bandwagon? Do you think City I've, I've been on. I've, I've, I'm always on the City bandwagon. There's no I think we've all been, haven't we? Yeah. yeah I think there, there, is there really any use in getting off the City bandwagon? Do you guys want to make any – so with the news too now that Michael Elise is going to be out for two months at least with a hamstring injury for Palace, um, take a look at the bottom of the table. Do we still think that the three teams that came up are going to be the three going down? I think. I mean, I'd be interested to see what happens with this um, potential further points deduction for Everton and Forest as well. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I, I, Luton have something about them. Um, even if they don't manage to stay up, this might be one of the best performance. I don't know, no, but that they've 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 certainly surprised a lot of people with how competitive they've been. Yeah, I, mean, I, I still think that, Sheffield and Burnley are definitely going down, so it's a matter of who the third team is going to be. And I could totally see a world. You're right, where Luton stays out of, it, especially if there's points deductions. I mean. If there's points deductions, there's no way Luton's not going down, in my opinion. If there's not, oh, if they're, yeah. Yeah, so if I mean, there's points deductions, I'm sorry, they're definitely staying up. I apologize. If there's points deductions further for Everton and, and Forrest gets them too, Luton's staying up. I don't think Everton could, I, I, I don't know. I'm torn on the Everton if they could survive another points deduction because honestly, they look good. They play well. They, uh, they've had some stinkers, but you, I mean, we've gotten so spoiled by the way City just 
have very few stinkers a year. It's normal to have, you know, five or six real stinkers a season where you're just pretty terrible. But otherwise... If they got further points deduction, though, that would put them yeah. 20 points in the minus. That's, I mean, minus 20 points from where they are, sorry. But that's that's huge. That's that huge. Who could survive that at that point? Yeah. Ah, yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, I kind of, I kind of want them to go down just to see... Just, yeah, see what, just see the chaos of it, of them opening up that new stadium and the championship. And I don't think they'll be able to come right back up either because of all their financial issues. No, it'd be tough. Yeah. They're putting themselves in a really tough position. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, on that note, uh, anything else you boys want to add before we sign out? Uh, no, I'll just you. looking forward to the Super Bowl, but that's about it. Yeah. I got a question for you, Matt. Go. Do the Devils make the playoffs? No. No? I think the I think they're in such a hole as it stands, and the goaltending is just so horrendous that I don't think okay, the problem they is a, they make a move. They make a move and they get a better they get an upgrade. Okay, maybe. I just okay. don't think that because at this point you're basically looking for like a 13 game heater is the only thing that's gonna kind of get them better. They're close to a playoff spot but it's the only thing that's going to kind of like solidify them. And I just don't see that happening with their current goaltending situation. Well, I think they could go on a heater if they get the, cause that's my thing. If you get the, the upgrade in, in that, that a 13 game heater isn't out of the realm of possibility for a healthy devil's team. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've also been just ravaged by injuries too. So that hasn't helped their situation either. Uh, I think it's a credit that they're still in it with such bad goaltending and all the injury issues and not having your best player for, what two or three different chunks of the season now so i are you lindy out or lindy in no no problem i'm lindy out if there's a better option yeah it's not like so you know at west i get because i feel this comparison a lot you know at west ham i'm moise in and a lot of it is because moise establishes a pretty high floor that i like and also with west ham's budget range i don't know how much better they do it's totally different in the nhl because there's a salary cap everybody's all equal and it's not like you're hanging on to some famous head coach that's, you know, won a bunch of Stanley Cups and Lindy Rupp. So I, I Rupp. So I, you know, yeah. fire him, don't fire him, whatever. Um, you know, like, it would have been nice if they did a deal like the Patriots did with Mayo, maybe had Brunette be coaching waiting. Well, I, really I thought that was what was going to happen. That's why I, I was. I guess something happened because what he's in Nashville now, right? Yeah, he's in Nashville. And with Trot stole him away. Yeah. We we would love to have him. Yeah, the <sighs> Devils. I think I think Lindy Ruff really needs to look at his assistance for next season because I yeah. do think there's a lot of fundamental flaws on this team when I watch them play on defense and goaltending. Um, even like in finishing, like I feel like they should just they should score even more goals than they score. Like when I watch the Oilers and I watch their forwards, it always seems like they finish their chances like almost always. Whereas it seems like it's not a guarantee for the Devils as much. I don't think they're quite there. They're also not. I mean, no one's Connor McDavid either, so it's unfair to compare anyone to him. And even Leon Draisaitl is probably the second or third, probably the third best player, fourth best player in the league at this point. So, but I do yeah. think that they could use some sharpenings. I think they could be a sharper team. I think they could skate sharper. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe all these weird statistical anomalies from the first half even out in the second half, and they just go on maybe. a big run. Yeah, you know. well, according, I mean, that's that's where XG I think does work nice because it usually does tell you that it is going to pan out, you know, it, at some point. So you would like to see it happen, you know, and that's why that's why I enjoy analytics 
because I think they're great for long-term, long-term predicting yeah. things. That's what I always say. Yeah. I always say single game. Single game is just as relevant a stat as shots or any other single game stat. You know, right. they tell you some of the story. They don't really tell you the whole story. And anybody that tries to paint it like they do is silly. Um, all right. Well, on that note, XG is the greatest as a long-term stat. It's rubbish as a single game stat. And I think we can all agree. Even Ross. It is sometimes fun to use to make fun of teams. He's nodding now lots of XG. For the record. And then lose. Yeah. That's like, that's the, like the devils. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, thank you everybody for tuning into Pop Sports Shorts. Uh, that's Dan. That's Ross. That's Jared, who's signed out. But um, yeah. Thank you, everyone. Bye bye. Later.